This is a Hoff Studios podcast. I record here once every three months, and um, every every quarter it gets prettier and prettier. It's very exciting. It They, seems like it's, it's so nice and like bright. And well, I mean, it was great here before, but now it's it's better because we've been doing it for a year, as you now know from your yes, stocking. I did a I did a full on, went straight down to Neha and worked my way up. Aww. Yeah, I just I hit play on all the people I knew. Great, yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad. Um, Neha was Neha kicked it off. For rated us. five, you know. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, wait, I need to tell. We are recording, yes. Yeah? So I need to tell you, friends. Um, there is a lovely review on our page someone who says like oh my god this is excellent and then rated it one. Oh, fail someone mm. I, i i i am positive that if the person meant excellent they meant five but hit the <laughs> wrong anyway it's messed up our rating if i don't ask anyone to ever rate but you know what and i'm going to yeah yeah do it you should if don't ashley did if i can do it you can do it it's true yeah Pretty so, easy. Click five stars. Th yeah, oh, thank you. About 30 seconds in, click five stars. That's, that, <laughs> that's, that's quite the ask. Um, I appreciate that. I really do. People ask all the time. They're like, rate, review, subscribe. I haven't, I haven't gotten there yet, but sad. there are people like you who do it willingly. I fully believe that like, if you want people to support you in your own career, and especially that mine is being reinvented and kind of nascent at the moment, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to buy all the books. I'm going to rate all the podcasts. I'm going to do all the things, support all the people, because that will eventually come back tenfold. And now I've just told you my dirty little secret. <laughs> oh, but I think it does come back tenfold. I think it does. You came in here with cookies. Yeah, man. You know who came in here? The two people, the, the two other people who came in here with a gift, which I, I don't know if you're a big fan of um, Deepak Chopra. Yeah. And this cold open has lasted forever. I'm sorry, friends. Uh, uh, I'll introduce you to Ashley in just a sec, but are you, so Deepak Chopra says like in his like, you know, 12 principles of life or whatever, lovely book, he's like, bring something when you go somewhere. So you and Jess Crux, Jess Crux made a, a sourdough bread. I'm sure she brought you something much healthier than what I no, brought you. No, the cookies you. are gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, they like, they made a They made a I did not make these cookies for anybody listening yeah. to this. I did not. That was, I bought them on the way here. <laughs> and the other person was Natasha of Twin Delicious. And both of those episodes, for whatever, they came so, um, like, full of heart. And it really, it really resonated. I mean, I, 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 I'm a big fan of every single thing we put out. But it was, it, it is a special experience when someone comes in and they're like, no, I'm, I'm going to. Bring, bring all of me. Well, so, this is your space, you. you know, so it's, it's when you come into someone's home, you bring a gift. Thanks. I appreciate it. Habibi, Habibi. <laughs> I can never, I, so Ashley Habib, is that how you pronounce it really? Habib. Habib. Mm, it's my married name. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you? Hi, guys. What are you doing here? Who am I? Uh, this is a fabulous question. I sat last night until midnight to try mm -hmm. to figure out mm -hmm. how to write this bio mm -hmm. because it's such a complicated thing to try to put labels on yourself, you know? It's like, do I say, like, do I say what I'm about? Do I say what I do? Do I say what I'm not doing? Mm -hmm. or what I have done? Mm -hmm. um, and, like, that's my number one fear when I walk into a room and someone says, oh, what do you do? <laughs> I'm like, well, right now I'm existing and yeah. I am trying to survive. Um, You're healing. I'm healing. So yeah. So um, my name's Ashley and I'm a mom to a seven-year-old daughter um, who is just a big bundle of life and joy and fun and also drives me absolutely up the wall. Um, naturally. Yeah, naturally. But uh, I am also a young widow. So I'm 36. I lost my husband 10 days before I turned 35. Um, he was 41 and it was very sudden. It was an accident. Um, and since then, it's just been kind of, you know, figuring out this new, I gotta hate when people say new normal, but 
that's how I'm going to say it, new normal. Yeah. Um, figuring out how to, you know, parent and be a human while grieving and while trying to kind of figure out this new identity and this new space that I'm uh, inhabiting. Mm. Well, we met, I don't know, maybe a week ago. <laughs> and one of my favorite people in the world, Svenja Oswald, who uh, has also guested on the podcast, t- takes my arm. She's the warmest person. <laughs> she no, takes- no, she's like, the, like, just looking at her is a warm hug, but she also gives excellent hugs. Yeah, she really does. And she loves you so much. Just, and so I, I said, hi, I, I said, hi, nice to meet you. And then I walked away at this event, this lovely event that Neha Roosh um, uh, hosted. And uh, Svenja takes my arm with, like, a, the most loving, strong grip and goes, <laughs> you have to have Ashley on your podcast. And I was like, okay, great. What's she up to? And she's like, well, she has a real story to tell. And when we connected, Ashley and I, um, you know, you told me about how you lost your husband. And when I asked, how did you get through it? You said other people who have been open about this experience, even if you didn't know them, Mm -hmm. have helped you feel less alone. Yeah, definitely. Um, It's... Going through a, an experience like this, it takes all sorts of community, and that can be the people who are super close to you and who are literally physically there. But sometimes it means finding community in people you don't know. And I have a very love-hate relationship with social media. Um, I find it, I've used it a lot over the years um, when I was an expat, uh, back in the old good old Facebook days when I first moved to Egypt in 2012. Um, and I was kind of, you know, wanting to keep in touch with friends from home. And um, and so it helped me feel a little less lonely at times um, throughout my, you know, international moves. But then in this experience, um, I, I reached out to other people saying, you know what, I just went through this. Does anybody else know anyone or have any resources for people like me, people who have lost a spouse or a partner um, so young. And someone pointed me in the direction of, you know, someone else's Instagram handle, another Instagram, you know, people who were out there and, um, you know, also having the very public story of Amanda Klutz and, you know, what she went through. Um, I ended up reading her book maybe a month after uh, my husband passed. Wow. I I didn't wow. think I was going to. And then I just picked it up and kind of read it cover to cover in basically one sitting. And um, that was tough because we, we shared having an ICU experience. So that mine was much shorter. My husband's was much shorter um, than her husband's, but, and, and in obviously a much different time. And, you know, she was going through this in a very fraught, very unknown, sure. you know, environment. But um, yeah, so having these stories as kind of touchstones is so important because widowhood is, or, you know, loss, whatever, this this experience has reminded me so much of being postpartum mm. and like real, like being in that really um, ungrounded, very nebulous state where you're just like, I just inside out. Yeah. yeah, And I just went through this huge, significant experience in my life. And, you know, I like it hit me, um, you know, the day my husband passed away that I like, like, cause I had to be the one to make the decision to take off life support. So and I remember thinking, God, I've actually given birth and now I'm having to be in this position, and and this this person, you know, who was here with me, was such a pivotal person, and was the only person who made me feel, you know, grounded and safe in my life. And um, that was a really huge moment. But if I learned anything from being postpartum, it was that, you know, you you need to ask for help. And you need to 
slow down and not try to do everything yourself and not try to be a martyr about it all because you know it takes it takes a village to do it especially if you're parenting through the whole thing yeah well I just wanted to thank you for being that person to whoever's listening right now my pleasure I mean it's not my pleasure pleasure. but it kind (laughs) of is my pleasure Like it's, it's such a double edged sword. I mean, I spent, um, many years of my life kind of being in service to others, like as a doula and a yoga teacher and Uh. a breastfeeding educator, educator and a mentor. And, you know, this is, I've kind of always known that this was my life's work to sort of be basically, I I studied all the wrong things. I should have just gone into psychology and become a therapist and just done that maybe later when my daughter's older, I'll... I'll go back and go back to school. But um, I really believe in storytelling and really believe in, you know, human connection because yeah. that's, that's that's why we're here. That's all we got. Yeah, you know, when a person dies in the, the Jewish faith, you know, we sit Shiva, which is um, just like a, you know, yeah. a seven-day mourning period. But the one of the rituals is to tell stories about mm. the person who's passed. Because stories keep them present. Mm-hmm. They keep them alive in a way. And um, I think, I really also believe that stories are holy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when when I found out that your last name was Habib, I, you say it again? Hi. I say it Habib. Habib. So in mm-hmm. Hebrew, they would call it Habib, right? Like, yeah. So it's a... It's a, a word adopted from Arabic to Hebrew. It's yeah. an Arabic word. I really believed that it meant friend because people would call each other Habibi, yeah. Habibti. My love, yeah. But it's my love, which yeah, is so it comes interesting. from the root word hub. And if you are a native Arabic speaker and you're listening to this, and I'm sorry, I've completely butchered. Did, ditto, but- ditto, 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 ditto. <laughs> I don't speak Arabic and I love you. Um, I, I studied Arabic for a little bit when I lived in Egypt with my husband and uh, and you know, didn't, I was always, I was super lucky that we had friends who spoke, you know, kind of a mix of Arabic and English all the time. So at least I could start to understand context of things, but I mean, it's fallen by the wayside over the years. Yeah. Um, But it's such a beautiful thing because you adopted his name, which means love. Yeah. And what a love. I know. It's it's a really special, special last name. Um, And I, it's, yeah. We had a really special story. We have a special story. Um, and yeah, and I love to tell these stories. I love to, I love when people ask me about him. I love to talk about him. Um, and, you know, there are days where I get through, I can tell the whole story of who we were from, you know, beginning to beginning, I don't want to say end, but to what it is now, you know, without shedding a tear. And then there's other days where I'm like, <laughs> yeah. like I'm a puddle, you know? Yeah. Um, so tell us. Oh yeah. gosh. What do you Who, want to know? Well, what's his name? Oh, his name is Tarek. Tarek. Tarek in yeah, English. Yeah. Um, so he was, we met here in the city um, in... 2011, I want to say. In New York City. Yeah. yeah, yeah, in New York City. And it was a really interesting time. It was kind of post-Egyptian uh, Revolution. Um, strangely, I was working on a project in grad school um, with another Egyptian friend of mine. We were working on um, looking at kind of Egyptian national identity through language um, for kids who were raised outside of Egypt. And it just all of these things kind of culminated and I met him at our yoga studio and we got to talk and I was like, oh, funny, you know, I'm working on this project. And he's like, oh, well, here's my number. If you have any questions, like, you know, let me know. And, um, and I knew he was going to be moving back to Egypt, uh, in within like a month and a half of us meeting. And I, um, I, you know, texted him one day and said, hey, you know, before you leave, let's get lunch. And he texted me back and said, let's get dinner. (laughs) And the rest was history. And I'm pretty sure we were inseparable for about a month. And then we were long distance. And then I made the move after I finished grad school. Um, And really, the rest is history. We were in Cairo for a couple years. Then we moved to Switzerland for his job. And then we moved back to the States. And then COVID happened. <laughs> so, wow. um, yeah, it was a really, really um, wonder. You know, it was one of those, I hate to say, like, 
I hate saying the term soulmate because it seems so cliche, but you know, sometimes you look at a person and you're like, oh, you're my person. And mm-hmm. that's really, that was really it. Like he was my person. Yeah. I, um, I've had the pleasure of reading your writing on him and it's really so beautiful. It's not cliche to say a soulmate and, um, and the way you like talk about romantic love is so profound, you know, it's just because there are like love songs written, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take away any of the potency of, of that experience. It's important for us to hear about like deep, meaningful partnership. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, it's funny. I, I started writing and kind of sharing as, as an outlet because I did not know what to do with the feel like I didn't know what to do with all of this emotion that I had. What do you do when you love someone so much, when you've spent 10 years with someone and you can't love them in person anymore? Like, what do you do? So what do you do? Like when you break up with someone and like, you're the one who's like lost and, and really sad and they've moved on you're like sending them clandestine text messages or like emails or whatever. You can't do that across the void. Right. So um, I just started writing. I started writing in my journal. I started writing, you know, on my Instagram, just wanting to kind of keep, you know, him alive for for myself and for his loved ones and to kind of collect these memories so that I wouldn't forget. Because, again, like being in this postpartum period, grief brain is like a thing, like baby brain. What is grief brain? It's so foggy. You know, you just forget things and, and other things become so clear. Um, but it's very easy to forget details. Uh, like, uh, like short-term memory? Is that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Just like living everyday life is yeah, hard. Yeah. How, how does that manifest when it comes to taking care of your kid? Oh, dude. And dealing with their grief. Yeah. What is no, that like? That's, um, I mean, I've been, I was so fortunate that um, when we had our, you know, the last day in the hospital, my brother-in-law called one of his best friends, who's a child psychologist. Mm. And she, so funny, she was at a wedding in Egypt. It was like a Friday night, I think. And it was like so loud. I could hear all the music behind her. And I'm in this like really quiet hospital. And it's like such an incongruous situation. But she was talking me through an exact script of what to say, like how to tell my daughter this happened. It, it was a, there was a, maybe tell us um, a little bit about, about what happened just so that sure. the, that's sort of not like a dangling yeah, no, question. Um, he had an accident. Um, it was a very bad fall that resulted in severe brain damage. Uh-huh. Um, so he spent six days in the ICU and then um, that was it. So there was no really, uh, there was no heads up. Mm-mm. No, no heads up. This was just really, um, really sudden, really tragic. It's one of those stories that, I mean, as I've been living through it, I've just been doing it. But, you know, when you hear stories about other people, you're like, God, that is so sad. And when I kind of think about it, if I, you know, have an out-of-body experience, I'm like, yeah, dude, this it's- is really Horrible it's and horrible. tragic yeah. and, and devastating and shocking. and shocking. And I don't even think that my own like nervous system has caught up yet. You know, I don't, I don't think I fully, you know, adrenaline is now starting to slowly wear off, you know, a year and a half later. Cause uh-huh. you really do have this feeling of adrenaline of like, I have to survive. I have to get things done. I have to parent. I have to be present. I have to do X, Y, and Z things. I have to make sense of this. Mm-hmm. Even though there's, it's nonsensical. It's nonsensical. Really. And then all of a sudden there, there was a point maybe last month kind of leading up into the holidays, leading around, you know, the one year mark, or, sorry, 18 month mark. Um, and, and, you know, my husband's birthday is in, you know, right after the holidays. So it was kind of like, I just, I stopped and I was like, oh my God, I was so deep in this griefy pit um, for a couple of weeks. And it was kind of the first time that I had actually let myself sink into that grief. Yeah. You know, I would get up and wake up and get my daughter ready for school and take her to school. And then I'd come home and I would just 
collapse. Yeah. And I, you know, I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, parenting during this whole process has been, I mean, I'm so lucky because my daughter is such a bright, resilient, beautiful little soul. Um, she's lived through an international move, a pandemic, and the death of her father within three years. So wow. she's really, really, really resilient. She's seven. So, oh, the past she's three seven. years, right? Um, wow. Yeah, three, four years, four years. And is, well, what, like speechless, really, child, <laughs> it's, it's sweet like a, little it's, girl. Yeah, it's, um, and, and I sometimes, it she can be so, um, so childish and yet so wise at sometimes that mm. I sometimes, for you know, forget that she's just this innocent, you know, little human yeah. who has had to deal with some really tough stuff yeah. really early. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, one of the things that we were really, we were gifted with a lot of um, beautiful, you know, children's books on grief. Wow. We read a lot of those in the early days over and over and over and over again. And, and you know, we made sure, you know, I had photos of our family and um, Tarek all over the apartment. Um, there was never a day of hiding from our grief. I, I mean, I would sometimes literally hide. Like, I remember, you know, in the first summer that it happened, so many mornings of just getting her settled on the couch to watch TV. And I would just sit behind the counter on my kitchen floor, literally in a puddle of my own tears with like, not tissues. I would have paper towels to soak it all up because it was just so tough and so unreal and painful. And, um, we were talking about parenting, right? See, this is my short-term memory. It just all of a sudden my synapses start well, like... Well, I guess it's not just short-term memory. I think, <laughs> you, I think you're probably remembering that time being a puddle. Yeah. <laughs> literally, puddle yeah. Literally tears. a puddle of just, tears. you know, magma. Like I was just such... I had no idea what to do like with myself, my energy and... Um, and her and I it just was so tough and um you know thank god for friends like Svenja who would drop by she loves you yeah I know I love her so much um you know (laughs) and uh, like my best friend flying from New Orleans I had a friend flying from Switzerland with her son like my daughter's first friend wow um from when they were babies she she bless her left her other two kids in Geneva (laughs) and brought her son and we had, you know, a wonderful like five days together. People really showed up. Yeah. And that was, sometimes that makes me so much more emotional even than thinking about the actual loss because people just showed up in a myriad of ways. Um, And if it hadn't been for that, like, I, I don't know what I would have done. Do they still? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's... I, I, I would expect it to sort of fall off, you know, I, in the postpartum period, mm-hmm. which is different. But similar. But similar in that, like, you're literally walking around with, like, you know, your skin inside out. But different. People, for you know, they forget yeah, to lend a, a hand after a while. Be- because it is a blessing. Yeah. You know, in the grand scheme of life. But I'm so glad to hear that. I mean, it's a little different. It's not like, you course, know, meals course. coming every day or, you know, um, and the you constant are more check-ins. Able. And I have, you know, I definitely have more of a handle on myself. But, you know, there are still friends who fly in from abroad to come visit. You know, uh, best friends who call. Um, people who will pick up the phone at any hour when I need to call. Um, you know, it's... it's uh, it's a, I, now it's more of a, I think once you get through, you know, a couple, you know, a year, year and a half, a couple of years, the person, it's kind of on, on the person who has experienced the loss to sort of reach out. Um, and I'm trying to get a little bit better about that now. Cause also I'm, I start feeling like, well, maybe I should be, you know, over better. It? No, maybe I should be stronger. Maybe I should be able to handle it better. No. Um, but that is, 
it's not true. Like you don't, you don't handle it any better after a while. Yeah. It's only longer mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. without yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very painful. Which part? That the, the more time goes by. Um, I was actually just listening to Anderson Cooper's podcast, the one he has about grief now. I can't remember what it's called. And he had Stephen Colbert on, I think, um, for their second episode. And uh, Stephen Colbert lost his dad when he was 10. And, um, and you know, um, Anderson Cooper also lost his dad when he was 10. And they were both talking about when they hit the age that their father was when their fathers passed away. And I was I, like, every birthday I think about this now or like every milestone that goes by, I'm like, oh my God, at some point I'm going to be 41 and then 42 and I'm going to, he's stopped in time. And that's, you know, if you believe, <laughs> I had this fear at one point, I remember like waking up in the middle of the night, like if you believe in any sort of afterlife, which I'm not sure that I do, but um you know, I had this like weird dream of, of, you know, showing up in whatever afterlife it was and me looking like a total crone and <laughs> still like, you know, handsome. glowing and youthful and <laughs> handsome and, you know, probably even like, he's probably been shredding it at the gym like this whole time, like, doing all of his favorite things. Um, and then you get together and you still yeah, love yeah, but, each other. And hopefully like there's this magic of like, ooh, you're magically not a crone anymore. You're like a beautiful 25 year old again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's. It's harder, I think, the longer time goes by. Certain things are harder. Yeah. Well, because people are probably assume, maybe you assume, that it would be better and that assumption in and of itself is yeah shitty. It is kind of shitty. I um, read one of your posts around dating mm. someone else. Mm. The idea that... Mm. Yeah. I mean, it was a while ago, I think, but I'm sure people ask you all the time. <clears throat> they don't, thank God, because I didn't. Oh, I don't good. really want to answer that oh. to other people. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think there is, you know, I've had conversations with friends, you know, people who have said, well, aren't you going to, or he would want you to, or when you're ready, or is it time yet? Or, you know, there's always this kind of tiptoeing around the subject and and I'll be honest I think about it all the time I mean I'm I'm 36 and you know I see my friends traveling with their husbands and you know leaving the kids and going on a nice holiday or you know just date night on a Friday night guys don't take your date nights for granted do your damn date nights like do it I know it sounds cliche not to take not to take it for granted but like really take your date nights just do it and um and I think I could probably go the rest of my life never having a date night. Like, uh, like it um, could like, happen. Like ideally? No, just oh. prob like probably. Just probably. <laughs> um, I, I you know, know, I wasn't very good at dating anyway in my twenties. I, I don't know. really know how I would be at dating now. And also, you landed a real cute guy. I did. He seems. Real... He seemed like nice. He is also and handsome. <laughs> Also, <laughs> like really one of a kind, yeah. and anyone who knew him would tell you those are some real big shoes to fill. Yeah. Um, and I unfortunately would most likely end up comparing most people to him. Yeah. Um, you know, who hasn't perfect? Nobody's perfect, but there, there's some very, very large shoes to fill. Not physically large, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. It, it he was a a very very big force um and i just you know there's sometimes where like as a young person you know i'm like yeah maybe maybe i do want to like connect with another person again yeah. you know and then i really think about it and i'm like nope no i don't <laughs> not definitely not right now i mean i never say never but not right now. Yeah, you're in the middle Even of something. Even logistically, like, that shit's hard. Being a single parent is hard, huh? Yeah. Like, what Super is it like? Oh, God. It is um, exhausting. I will say I was more, I was always kind of the emotionally attuned parent anyway. Um, and the person who was responsible for sort of the day-to-day, you know, care of my daughter. But 
um, you know, the pandemic really shifted things in that he was working from home and um, there was some more time in the mornings for him to, you know, play with her more. And then I'd be able to have my yoga practice and they would like make their scrambled eggs together. And, um, you know, there was just a shift of, of having him around more. And so we had gotten very used to that. Um, and so, yeah, single parenting is tough because you don't have anybody to really bounce things off of, mm. right? Like, um, you don't have anybody to, and I don't know how people single parent with multiple children, like you guys are rock stars because yeah. I, I, I don't know, like I just, one is tough enough, but, um, I just went to a party of a kid in my um, son's class. Um, the mom is a single parent. And I'm like, I look at her and I'm like, you goddess. <laughs> and it was such a fun party. And like, just like, oh my God, she's two kids. It really is amazing. It's, uh, it's and definitely amazing a and, journey. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's also this meme that I, um, I'm often reminded of where it's like, um, ma, uh, the world is like, you're do you're amazing. Mothers are amazing, and the mom is like, "No, actually, I really need help." Oh my god, you're a superhero! No, uh, no, seriously, I, I'm drowning. Wow, look at you! <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. There are definitely days yeah. where I I go to bed at night and I'm like, "How did I survive today? Like, yeah. how did I do it?" Um, you know, and there are mornings where I I get her to school and I just go get my coffee and I come home and I'm just like, oh, yeah. Oh my God. That like hour and a half in the morning is just, it's a lot. Um, on the nervous system. It's a lot on the nervous system. And it it it's a, normal. Yeah. It is normal and to be expected from like a, do you know polyvagal theory? Mm -hmm. Yeah. From like a polyvagal perspective, a nervous system perspective to be like, that was Mount Everest. And mm -hmm. now I go back into freeze mode. Mm -hmm. I I need all of my faculties and mm -hmm. for three o'clock pick up, mm -hmm. four or five o'clock pick yeah. up, whatever it is, and yeah. bedtime. Yeah. Oh, and bedtime. Yeah, bedtime's bedtime hard. Bedtime is hard. Bedtime's hard. Especially because she's like, oh, I don't want to go to bed till like nine o'clock now. I'm like, but why? <laughs> You're like, I <laughs> love you. Like but your brain is growing. Please go to sleep. I know. Please I mean, go to really, sleep. please go to sleep. Yeah. My son's been waking up at 545 and I'm like, it's not good for you. And it's definitely not good for me. Please <laughs> stop. Um, I kind of wish she'd start waking up at 545 again because then oh. she'd maybe go to sleep earlier. Oh. Like I'm more of a morning person than a night person. Oh. So I'd much rather deal with her in the morning than I would at night yeah. when I'm like ready to check out. Yeah. Um, and fall asleep. Yeah. Um, so what, what gets you through? What, what makes you feel a little bit better or, or is feeling better not the goal necessarily? I think, um, obviously feeling better is the goal because no one ever wants to feel like this. And, like if you, you don't like right understand now? what like this means, yeah. hope and pray that you don't understand what this means <laughs> until, you know, a much later date. Um, but I think, you know, the goal is to feel better. The goal is to just, is to feel more grounded um, and to feel more like I have a handle on this new life. Mm. You know, I was very used to, like I move, we moved around and, you know, I had a handle on living in one country. Then we moved to another country and I got a handle on living in that country. Then we moved back to the States and I had to get a handle on living back in the States. And also in between there, there was motherhood and I built a business in Switzerland and then, mm. and in Egypt. And, um, you know, it was constant. I always felt like I was constantly making a effort, you know, constantly putting out effort yeah. to evolve and grow and show up for all of these new stages and life experiences. And, you know, as your child is growing, you're having to show up for all those new stages because every day is different. Mm -hmm. And now, okay, I'm like, this is an, another new phase that I have to get a handle on somehow. Mm -hmm. 
trying not to control it. You know, you can't control anything, but you can... Basically, the goal is to find a state of alignment and flow. That's really, that's what I'm working toward. Are there certain tools that you lean on? Mm, Movement. My movement practice is like everything to me, whether it's yoga or Pilates or doing the class. um, Any of these things, like they keep me sane. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, making sure I'm like really like the whole oxygen mask metaphor applies here really strong, making sure that I'm doing all the things that keep me healthy and well and present, um, you know, and, and, and always being flexible to adjust and say what's working, you know, between my daughter and I, like I'm looking at our life as a relationship, you know, between two people. Um, it's not just a mother, like it's, I don't know. I'm, I, I really have to think of it in terms of like any sort of relationship when you're working or living with someone. Mm-hmm. What's working now? What's not working? How can we make this work better? What are her needs? What are my needs? You know, in the middle of that Venn diagram, what overlaps and how can I organize our life in a way that is optimal for both of us? Sure. Um, and just, you know... Sometimes getting through means eating a pint of ice cream while like watching Gilmore Girls. Totally. I mean, I, I like I'm trying to get my like single mom education from watching like Gilmore. I know they're so cute. <laughs> oh my yeah. and they have such a good time together. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's uh yeah. It there's sometimes you just need to really zone out and then I have to remember, you know, to bring myself back and be like, I need to get on top of this and I need to like get it get on top of my life and, and be, you know, kind of the powerful person that I know I can be because you lose a lot of power when you experience such a tremendous loss. Like you lose a lot of your sense of safety and, um, and feeling like, you know, what the world is all about. Um, and so kind of reclaiming some sort of sense of myself, um, you know, having to be the head of a household suddenly. That was not a job that I had to really do, you mm-hmm. know. We, especially as expats, you know, and I wasn't really able to work as much um, as a new mom and, you know, living in a foreign country. You know, eventually I was, you know, working more casually, but, you know, I, 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 I'm now having to sort of figure out how to stand really firmly on my own two feet. Mm not only for, you know, the sake of my daughter, for her to have a, a role model and a mentor in me, because I never want to, <laughs> I never want her to look at me and say, God, my mom's a hot mess. You know, that's my goal in life. You're not like, a hot mess at like, all. Like, I just want her to be like, okay, mom, you got your shit together. Like, yeah. that's really all I want. Um, you definitely like if, have if your if shit done... together, just as a reflection. Oh, just thanks. to be for, Yeah. Thanks. I don't feel that way. But, <laughs> yeah, of course you don't. Um I mean, the fact that you could get to that event, that you could get here and talk about your life experience, I mean, that's a real, that's a, um, I often refer to my time in OA and doing the 12 steps, but like it takes 12 whole steps to get to the mentoring part, Mm. you know? It takes a long time to get to the part where you're sharing your story as a means of inspiration for others, even through the pain, you know, and I don't know that the pain will ever go away. I mean, I'm, I'm no one to speak on that, but even just the fact that you can share your story in the hopes of helping someone else, that's not hot mess behavior, right? It's hashtag hot mess behavior. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think, you know, this, it's not out of the ordinary for me to like share my hot messiness because I, you know, I would do that a lot when I was writing back in Geneva and I was kind of connecting with new moms and I would write about like my struggles. Like I thought I was going to be like mom of the century, right? I thought I was going to really have a handle on it. And like, this was, I was going to be this fabulous, wonderful, super Zen, very centered, perfect mother. Perfect. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, 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 no. (laughs) <laughs> not how that goes no that's not how that goes at all and um and I would share that all the time I'd be like you guys 
I did this, this, and this today. <laughs> I feel like I really fucked my kid up. Ooh, can I say that? Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I was really afraid I was going to have this like Roy Kent moment on here where I would just stop drop, like start dropping F-bombs oh. from, from, you know, Ted Lasso. Like, Oh, oh yeah, Kent, you're just, more than welcome to. Um, and, you know, I was just always like, but I just, I feel like it was so important to share because I never really heard, you know, stories before I became a mom of like moms literally losing it. Like yeah. moms feeling... Um, just so overwhelmed and so out of body. And I mean, I just didn't take to it as easily as I thought I was going to, Uh, especially like after she hit 18 months and she sort of became this actual kid. I was like, oh God, I have to like, I just finished the baby books. Now I have to read parenting books. Like what? Like, how do I do? I know. I have to parent now. I don't fast and furious. Like, yeah, I don't have to keep her alive. I know. I have to parent. I know. What is this? I I don't know what this Um, is. This is crazy. Yeah. So that, um, I don't know how we got on this topic, but (laughs) well, sharing. Yeah. And you share, you write beautifully. Is that what your new, um, iteration is? Yeah. Is going to be, I'm trying to give myself more permission these days. Um, you know, loss really drives home your humanity and what like what you can do with this you know how's Mary Oliver put it this one like wild and crazy life um and you know we say we say no to ourselves a lot no we shouldn't do this because it would be better if I did that no we shouldn't do this or that or whatever um and I kind of put the kibosh on a lot of my creative creativity um, for a long time. And I was, you know, I was like, I don't want to live like that. Like if I've got this one life to live and God knows how long I've got left and I want to set a good example for my daughter, I want to be like me, like authentically me. And so that means, you know, doing something really scary, which is, you know, putting my writing out there for the world. So I'll be having a sub stack come out soon-ish um, when I get that together. Um, I was sort of bummed to see that you're private on Instagram. Maybe by the time this comes out, you'll yeah, decide to undo I that. I, I, I because have a hard your writing time. is amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to, um, this is kind of the purpose of the Substack is to share more, but in a way that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable because I'm not a super, super public person person I feel very private about my life in general but um you know it's a I it's a balance that I want to try to keep um and also you know keeping my daughter's privacy is important to me and um you know not telling her whole story because that's her story you know it's that's for her to decide later on Mm. um but yeah I'll, I'll be touching on um you know motherhood and grief and wellness and, um, and kind of what, what's gotten me through recently, especially since around the one year mark of his passing, um, was really honing in and zooming in on these like really beautiful things in life, really small things. And this was also, it was funny when I heard this, when I heard Stephen Colbert saying this on Anderson Cooper's podcast, where he said something about like, grief and loss has made him crave beauty in the world Mm. and crave beautiful things. Mm. And I hadn't really thought of it like that myself. But when he said that, I was like, oh my God, that resonates so deeply because that's what I've been kind of working towards in myself is really like focusing on the smallest, most beautiful details Mm. because that helps me center and ground and and puts life in perspective, you know. Mm. Um, I was in back in Switzerland in June, and I didn't want to share all of these beautiful sweeping photos of, you know, Lake Geneva or the mountains, but I wanted to hone in on gorgeous details of my friends' homes or, um, you know, the way the light played on the wall or, mm. you know, beautiful bowl of fruit or, you know, these things that... These are the little tiny things that kind of make up our daily life. And when we start to overlook those, yeah. when we start to overlook beauty, well, what do we have, right? Not much. Not much. Not much. Not much. So um, that's kind of the focus of my work moving forward. 
Um, I will most likely also start teaching yoga again privately and kind of opening a mentorship um, program for moms. Great. Um, And so, yeah, those are the things that are in the pipeline right now. Amazing. Yeah. That is so amazing. Just going back to that mentor role, um, if there is someone, you know, the hope of this podcast, um, I told you when we met, but um, the hope is that like if someone lands on this page that they'll be represented, that they'll be mirrored, that they'll be supported by someone on the other line who gets it. and if there is a young widow out there who's experiencing loss, I'm wondering what you would tell her um, in her ear. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You have to go through it. And that's really, you know, the only way forward is through. Um, and that is something that I've repeated to myself over and over and over and over again. Um, And if you are going through it, you know, know that you're not alone, for one. Um, And use tools, whether those are other people in your life to help, whether it's, oh, also don't get don't go, don't go down Google rat holes. Like mm. those are Google holes are bad news bears. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, lean on the other people in your life who you can trust, let people help you, um, accept the dinners and the childcare and make sure to carve out space for yourself to, process get a therapist love a therapist get a therapist i mean get guys get a therapist no matter what get a therapist what. no matter what like but also get a therapist just i just saw something and also that was like get a therapist someone asks like are you seeing someone and the person's like a therapist or hallucinations <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah a therapist especially someone who is uh specialized in in grief and loss um and talk to that person regularly. Don't just talk to them when you think you need to. Mm. Um, and write it all down. Write everything down. Open that notes app on your phone and write it all down. Write what you're feeling. Write the lists you have to make. Write it all down. Because of the grief brain? Because of the grief brain, but also like you'll want to remember at some point. Whatever it is that you're feeling in that moment you'll want to remember. And it's so helpful to also process what you're feeling and not keep it bottled up because it can be difficult to talk about what you're experiencing, um, you know, with another person because you you think you sound absolutely crazy. Like I remember being, okay, so I remember being in, when my husband was in the ICU and I remember sitting there. I was I was at the hospital for 22 hours a day. I left only to go home, shower, eat something, go back. And I was very fortunate that we had a lot of family and friends who were it with us at the hospital. Um, but I remember being shocked that I had to pee. Mm. I remember being shocked that I had a period mm. during that week. And mm. I'm like, why is my body still... Why is nature still working? Like, why is it reacting? And I remember being like, that's not something, and now I'm sharing this publicly with all the world. Yeah. But um, at that time, I was like, God, people are going to think I'm nuts if I say this. No. So writing it down really helped. Um, writing letters to your spouse or your partner or whoever, you know, say the things that you want to say to them. Don't bottle that up. Yeah. Don't bottle that up. Put that somewhere write it down, write the letters, because you have to find a way to give that love to your person. Um, and yeah, that's... There's this beautiful folk song that I sing. Um, it's about this... Um, his name is Schmelke Kaczyginski, which is a very interesting name. Schmelke. Schmelke Kaczyginski. <laughs> 
he loses his wife. He lost his wife in the ghetto in World War II. And he um, he he starts the song saying, Ich blunge in ghetto von Gessel zu Gessel. I roam the ghetto from street to street and I can't find you. And he it goes on and on. It's beautiful poetry and I, I'm I'm going to send it to you at some point. But what's so beautiful and... Um, timeless about about this experience is that he also says Frieling zu mein Treue. he says springtime take my sadness he sees mm-hmm. the um like the flowers bloom and the you know the birds chirping and it's like the whole world is still moving how is that possible and at that really was a shock to me as well that I was like, how is it? And and the timing of this was particularly strange because this was also the summer where we were all kind of coming back post-ish pandemic. You know, things were opening up like I live downtown New York and the bars were packed and the restaurants were packed. And we as a couple had been starting to look forward to doing all the things that we had wanted to do in the city that then got interrupted because of COVID. And, you know, when we moved back, we really wanted to, you know, go out with our friends and and have date nights in the city and do all these things that we enjoyed. Um, And now all of a sudden, you know, it's middle of June and it, June was also, it's a very hard month because there is the anniversary of his death followed two days later by our wedding anniversary, which was also the day we buried him. Um, and then there's Father's Day and my birthday, and it all just... It's really a month of grieving. That's a big... It, June used to be one of my favorite months, and now it is a very, very tough month, but it's also... You know, in New York, one of the brightest months. It's one of the springiest, most beautiful, yeah. early summer, vibrant. Kids are getting out of school. You're excited to, like, go out and, you know, sit on a terrace somewhere. Now that we have terraces, which is very exciting. Um, and and walking around the city yeah. was hard. Oh, my other piece of advice for anyone going through this. If you are about to watch a show or a movie or read a book... For the love of God, crowdsource uh, trigger warnings. Crowdsource, like, any information you can get about that piece of media that you are about to consume to make sure that you (laughs) are not going to, like, absolutely lose it when you read it or watch it or, you know, listen to it. I mean, I had a friend, one of the Modern Love, one of the second seasons of Modern Love, came out and it's about this woman who, you know, is driving her late husband's car and she's talking to him in the car. And a friend of mine was like, Ashley, do not watch this for right now. Like, don't watch it. Just, that was something I really had to, sex in the city. Oh my God, why did it take her so long to call 911? But, you know. I I didn't see it. Oh yeah, no. Or the newer sex in the city. Anyway, um, you know, those those were things that I could not, like, I had to ask friends, like, should I watch this? Is there anything I should be aware of? I'm so glad you have such good friends. I'm so glad I have such good friends. I don't know what I did in a past life to deserve these people, but like... In this life, you seem pretty great. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I know, I and and I, I feel fortunate that um, the community is not just in New York. It's all over California, New Orleans, Switzerland, Egypt. Like, there are just people everywhere who love you and 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 who love him and who love my daughter and you know they just show up man that is that's really special um so yeah if you're going through this don't be afraid to say yes to the people when they want to show up and ask what you need for don't be afraid to say i need you to take my kid for a couple hours I need to go sit in the spa. I need to go for a run or I need to just lay in my bed Mm -hmm. um, and not do anything. The other very, very practical piece of advice, if you are a list maker, which you will likely need to be if you're the person having to do the final affairs, which is really hard, make 
a quad final quad final affairs, dude. That's no no fun. Um, make a, a quadrated. I don't know if that's the right word. A, a, get a piece of paper, cut it into fours, or you know, separate it into fours, and make your lists. And that will really help keep you make on your track. Lists on fo- like, are like, you saying for example, important like, and like urgent? Like a list of like, okay, so there's in one quadrant you have final affairs things that you have to you know, do checklist. Then there's the things, you know, for your kid. Do you have school activities you have to sign up for? Do you have to, you know, whatever little things you have to do for your kid. Actually put yourself up at the top. (laughs) Put yourself at the top corner and and make a list of what you need. Um, You know, what do you need to do for your home? You know, do you need to take care of like bills and whatever else you need to do? You know, just make your list and divide it and write down everything don't let it be overwhelming. That's really, and ask, ask other people, ask other people as much as you can. Do you have a friend who's gone through this? Do you know anybody who's gone through this? You never know where a light will come from. Hmm. Have we missed anything? Oh, there's a big, there's a big (laughs) question I have, which you can, you can pass if you'd like, but the big question is like, and I'm sure you speak to him all the time, but if you could tell Tarek, you know, something today, right now, from from this from this couch, what would you? Oh God! What would you say? <laughs> um, you know, I'm I a just, big believer that he's listening, but that's just me. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe uh, he. You know what? He loved to listen to podcasts while he worked out. <laughs> And I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm like, who listens to podcasts on the treadmill, you nut? Like, put on some jazz right now. What's up? (laughs) Put on some Jay Z. (laughs) (laughs) Put on some Jay Z. Don't listen to people chattering in your ear. Here we are, man. He's listening to us on two times speed. Okay, great. Because he's talking. We have been talking pretty slow. He's really time efficient. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, I I just want him to be proud Mm. of me, and, you know. I just want him to feel good about what I'm continuing to do with the foundation of our life that we built together. Um, You know, I don't want to make my life into a shrine for him Mm. at all, but I, you know, want to make sure that every day he's honored somehow, whether that's me making an Excel sheet (laughs) (laughs) or talking about him or, um, you know, exercising or doing something that, you know, he would want me to do. Yeah, living. Mm, Living. Mm. Yeah. Well. Wooza. Yeah. I'm just so (laughs) grateful for your heart. Thank you. And for your courage and for that really great hug you gave me the other day for telling these stories. It really is my honor. It's a lot to hold, you know, other people's energies, um, I think. Yeah. And you're not a, you're a petite, Uh, petite human. So there's there's not a lot of space for that to all go. Yeah. No, I have boundless, boundless capacity for your truth. I really do. And I'm so grateful that you're sharing it. Um, that you're living it, that you're going to write about it. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm also hopefully working on some essays and or short stories or a novel or all three. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what form this is all going to take, but, you know, it's, yeah, giving my per- myself permission to, to go forward and live and just do it is, that's that's everything. That's what it's all about mm. yeah thank you for having oh me. oh my gosh thank you for coming and because i am a believer that the channels are open i'm gonna say thank you Tarek. thank you so much rest well we are taking care of your girls we love them so much thank you for your beautiful life and your beautiful name <laughs> <laughs> that means love thanks for listening to podcasts <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. (laughs) 
Thank you, as always, for listening to the Mom Curious Podcast. My name is Daniela Rabani. I am your host, and I would love to continue this conversation at Daniela Rabani on Instagram. And if you'd be so kind to rate and review, share this podcast, I would be just really grateful. Catch you next time every Tuesday on the Mom Curious Podcast, produced by Hoff Studios. You can find them at Hoff Studios on Instagram as well. All right, have a great day.